0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Tuesday, February the 14th, 2023. It is currently 2.35 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas, where currently the wind is blowing at like 100 miles per hour. It is crazy how strong the wind is here. We're in a, a weather advisory, wind advisory. We were, it may have, it may have uh, expired. I don't know. I just know the wind is going crazy. Hopefully that does not present any problems. Ho- hopefully it doesn't present any problems with broadcasting. We've had a couple of power surges, but hopefully everything is good to go. And that we can accomplish something. Because I probably know what you're thinking. I I probably have the ability to read your mind right now. Because some of you have been thinking, what about the Bible study exercise? Aren't aren't we supposed to be like in this seven-week study on discernment? What happened? Where did he did he go silent or you may be may actually what some of you may be thinking is nothing like that. You may be thinking, I don't even care about the Bible uh, study exercise on discernment. I didn't like the study in the first place. So maybe he's discerning that I didn't like it and he stopped wasting his time. Maybe. So maybe I don't know what you're thinking. Maybe I'm wanting, maybe I'm hoping that you're like, where has he been? I need another episode In this study on discernment, Uh, come on, where have you been? Maybe I'm hoping that's how you're thinking, but in reality, you're like, whew, so glad he's done with that nonsense. That was not useful in any way, shape, or form. Well, sorry to disappoint. Guess who's back? Guess who's right here? Yes, I'm here in front of the microphone. And guess what I have right here? My journal. (laughs) I, I was laughing. I was writing in this journal. It's like a Christian journal. On some of the pages, they have little uh, scripture references. Like here's one. Uh, Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid of them. For the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. Of course, everyone takes those verses, but okay, and applies it to itself. But all right. But uh, so this is a, a Christian journal, right? It's got Christian references in it. And uh, you know, I use this here or there to you know jot down notes or whatever. But I was laughing because it was laying in a sense face down, and so I was reading the back of it. And there's a little sticker right here, little sticker. <laughs> you ready? Printed in China. <laughs> Printed in China, where Christians get persecuted. And and I, and I bought this journal from a Christian ministry, they were selling this journal, and I'm like, oh, I, I think I'll get one of those journals. So I bought a journal from a Christian ministry, and they were getting their, the journals that they're selling are printed in China. I, you would think that, I don't know, do you want to, do I don't, how do you feel about that? Does that bother you when when it comes to discernment? Do you want to buy, and this is, just, uh, this is just an interesting question, just since we're talking about discernment, this is the uh, a chance of trying to exercise discernment. Do you believe a discerning Christian would want to buy anything related to Christianity, Bible studies or a Bible or a journal, anything printed and published in China s- since uh, someone says money talks? I, 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 don't, I don't know. Am I being fair or do you think that that's unfair? I mean, I mean, it just seems like, well, that those you would go to a publisher here in the United States of America. Maybe it would cost more, yes, but I don't know. It just seems like you're trying to – but but then you could argue, but you're supporting that factory, which hires people, so then people get jobs. So I don't know. Sometimes when it comes to trying to discern whether something is right or wrong, there's a lot of questions in about how to figure that out, right? There's a lot of questions like, well – I mean, I, I, are you really supporting the Chinese government by doing that, or you're supporting their economy, but yet the average person is the one working in those factories printing these journals, so then you're giving them, yeah, I, I don't know, Yeah, we, we could go both ways. There's lots of things like that in the Christian life where we try to discern right and wrong, and, there, and, and you can get 15 people in a room, and you're going to get 35 different opinions because everyone's got, but... How does discernment work? Well, we've been talking about discernment, and we need to advance this because we're really a week behind. We really are, and that's my own fault. I, uh, that I, I, you know, I I can make excuses, but everyone knows I have seizure uh, issues, and I had some major se- uh, seizure issues recently. So that's that's on me. That's on me. I hope that you continue to do your work on this subject, and hopefully we can try to finish strong. I'm not going to let that little kind of bump in the road stop us from finishing strong, so we I'm going to press forward and see if we can get somewhere with this. okay now here's here's what's happening if i would if you have not looked at the curriculum. I would challenge you to go look at the curriculum of everything it has said in regards to discernment up to this point, all right? Look at all—I think we're in session—I think it's session five this week, so look at the last four sessions, and you're going to see a very particular theology emerge, a particular ideology, a particular philosophy when it comes to Christian discernment. And their discernment is very, I'm going to call it subjective, right? Because their discernment is, yes, yes, we, we look to God's word, but we have to try to figure out what God is saying to us, what God, how God is leading us, and all those kinds of things. And you know my feelings on that. God speaks to us through his word alone. He leads us through scripture alone. I don't look for a feeling. I don't look for some inner voice. I don't try to go, well, what about this? I look to the scriptures. And we've talked about this in this series, and I've tried to make that as abundantly clear as possible. But the way they've they've done, the way they're trying to work it is this way. All right. We've got the scriptures, but we need a little bit more and able to discern the voice of God. We need to We need a little bit more in order to discern the will of God. So, what they have done is they've approached it this way, right? And these are the words we've written down. Discernment, and first and foremost, discernment is supposed to be based off the words of God. They do acknowledge that, but then they're like, sometimes we need a little bit more. So this, this is how they approach it. Discernment, and then the second word was conviction. When you're getting ready to make this decision, or you're going to do this, you're going to do you feel convicted. So, for example, I bought a journal. It's published in China. It's a Christian journal from a Christian ministry. Do you feel convicted by that? If you feel convicted that it's wrong, then you shouldn't do so. If you don't feel conviction, you should. But once again, I I think that that just leads to spiritual chaos, anarchy, and confusion. Because wait a minute, there are times you may be convicted about something that the Bible does not condemn. It's not a sin. You shouldn't feel conviction. Your conviction is wrong. And there may be other times you feel no conviction and you're like, but the scriptures condemn it. So we and that's why when we bring in the feelings part of things, it seems to me leads to so much trouble. So I do believe discernment, right? should lead to conviction, but it should go this way. This is And so their way, uh, so let me make sure I understand, i try to explain this. The, the curriculum wants us to look to these other things to help us discern. So they want us to look to God's word, and then they want us to determine, does it bring conviction or not? And then that helps you determine whether something is right or wrong. I reject that. This is the way I connect it. This is the way I connect it. We discern what God says in his word by studying it by interpreting it, by exegeting it. We discern what it says. Once we discern what it says, it should lead to conviction in two ways. A conviction that it's true, and we are convicted by it pointing out our sin, our failure, or whatever. So discernment should lead to conviction. The other side is arguing you, tr- you discern with God's word and you discern with conviction because how you feel about something. And I reject their view. I believe discernment leads to conviction. We discern what it says. We're convicted it's true and we're convicted by it because God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So these are, these are like two par- These are two separate paths and how you approach the Christian life. And I love the fact that we have the curriculum so that you can compare the two. Third is faith. Now what they, this is how they want us to understand it. Okay, I've got to discern God's will here. I've got to discern what God's, God wants. How do I deter, determine what God wants? Which, which decision, which way would require you to exercise more faith? If it's going to require more faith, that's got to be what God wants. And I completely reject that idea. I think this is the way it works. Here we go. We discern what God's word says. We're convicted it's true. And we're convicted by it. But it, in many cases, it requires faith because we don't truly understand it. It doesn't make any sense. We truly don't see it. It we we that, that like for example, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. I can discern what that says. All scripture is God breathed. I can discern that. I'm convicted it is true. I am convicted that I don't always respect it as the inspired word of God, and therefore I need to have greater respect and reverence for it. Now, where does faith come into play? Faith comes into play is I cannot prove without a shadow of a doubt that the Bible is the inspired word of God. I can prove it's historically accurate. I can prove that it's accurate from archaeological finds. I can prove that it's got many manuscripts to give it some support. But I cannot, with all the evidences I can come up with, I cannot get us to, yes, it's inspired. I can just get it to a certain level of, historical trustworthiness, archaeological support. There's all of these evidences, but it doesn't get me all the way to inspiration. So by faith, then I believe that it is inspired because I cannot dogmatically prove it. So discernment leads to conviction. Conviction will then ultimately lead to the need to exercise faith. And we've looked at that. Their approach is you discern with God's word, then you've got to discern based off how you feel via conviction, and then you've got to decide which thing will require more faith, and I am rejecting that approach. My approach is discernment. We discern what God's word says. We're convicted that it's true, and we are convicted by it, and then we exercise faith in believing what we cannot ultimately attain or see or understand there's a level of faith that has to come into play. Now, we've reviewed those over and over and over and over again. And remember, all of these have been based. Discernment was based on Genesis 3. Uh, Conviction was based on Acts 2. Faith was based on Hebrews 11. Now, the one we were supposed to study last week was God's character. Character. And the way the curriculum wants us to understand this is, okay, when you get ready to make a decision, is it consistent with God's character? Wait, wait. So, is this consistent with God's character? Now, once again, this becomes so subjective. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example because this was used against me for a long time in my Christian life. All right. Hey you're going to listen to that song. You're going to listen to that music. You're going to watch that movie. Is that consistent with God's character? God is holy. That's not consistent with his holiness. You shouldn't be watching that movie. You shouldn't be listening to that song. But then I would turn around and look and go, but wait a minute. You spent all day watching college football. Is that consistent with God's character? Wait a minute. You've been doing this or this or this. Wait, you told me I couldn't listen to this music, but you can watch that movie. Is that movie consistent with God's character? You see, it becomes subjective and then we only use God's character. We will use God's character to condemn the actions of others and then justify our own actions. See how subjective that is? Objectively, what does God's word have to say in regards to this situation? In many cases, God's word does not give me specific directions. Is there a possible principle? Well, i got to make sure it's an actual principle that applies to it. The God's character test Sounds so good, but if you really took God's character, what, and then you made all of your decisions based on what's consistent with God's character, it would be interesting to see what your decisions would actually look like, what you could or could not do. Now, they want us for this part, I'm not even looking at the curriculum today. They, I, I just, I want to hear, like, what are you looking at in your journal I just have the word discernment, the word conviction, the word faith, and the word character. I have next to discernment, Genesis 3, next to conviction, Acts 2, next to faith, Hebrews 11, next to character, Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34. So let's go to Exodus chapter 34. I know we're a week behind, but I want you to spend some time in Exodus 34 this week. All right, I want you to spend some time in Exodus chapter 34, please, all right? And I want you to spend a lot of time mainly in verses 1 through 6. Now, I'm no we'll go through uh, verses 1 through at least 7a. And I'm the only reason I kind of go because there's some things in verse 7 that could require a couple of years to work on. But that's okay. Exodus chapter 34, let's read them. Here we go. And the Lord Said unto Moses, Hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first, and I will write upon these tables the words that were in the first tables which thou breakest. And remember, Moses came down, saw all the craziness happening around the golden calf. He ends up breaking the Ten Commandments. So now here he has to, well, God's going to write upon a new set of of tablets. The Ten Commandments 2.0. All right, here we go. Verse 2. And be ready in the morning, and come up in the morning unto Mount Sinai, and present thyself there to me in the top of the mount. And no man shall come up with thee, neither let any man be seen throughout all the mount, neither let the flocks nor the herds feed before the mount. And he hewed two tables of stone, like unto the first, and Moses rose up early in the morning, went up unto Mount Sinai, and as the Lord had commanded him uh, and he took in his hand the two tables of stone and the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord Verse six and the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. Now, what they want you to do is take this list of God's character. This is what they want you to do. And they want you to go, okay, everything I decide, is it consistent with this character? Well, I think it becomes subjective and I think it just leads to chaos. Here's how I want to... All right, here's how I think it should work. I think this is important. We discern what God says in his word. We discern who God is in his word, right? We discern what God says and we discern who God is from his word. There you go. You can say, well, you can discern certain things about God by looking at creation. You can see maybe there is a God in his power, maybe his wisdom, but to really understand anything, we need the word of God to really have a correct understanding of God. So with God's word, we discern who he is and what he has said, right? We are convicted that it is true and we are convicted by it, right? So there's discernment, faith. There comes a point where we need faith to understand things because God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And we, and, and some things we just, we're not left with enough proof to be able to be dogmatic. So we have to accept it by faith. Now, here's the thing. There are times, this is very important, in the Christian life, you've discerned what God says. You've got it down. You're convicted. You do have faith, but then you are confronted with a reality that seems contrary to what you read in the scriptures or you are confronted with a reality that seems to call into question god in some way shape or form you're like you just don't understand you don't understand there are 33 over 33,000 people dead in turkey and syria because of that horrible earthquake over 33,000 i think was the last number I saw. If that doesn't bother you, then I, I don't understand. I don't know how you could not be bothered by the fa- fact that 33,000 humans created in the image of God are just gone because of one earthquake. 33,000. Just they were here, then they slipped into eternity. When they pull from the rubble the bodies of a child that's broken and been crushed, I don't know. Does that not bother you? Well I think, guess what? I see that, and I'm like, I don't understand God. Like, and people say, well, pray, pray to the God who let it happen. I struggle. God, you, you knew it was going to happen. You could have stopped it. And we would not even have known that you stopped it because it wouldn't have required anything flashy. You could have just stopped the earthquake from happening. You could, even if you allowed the earthquake to happen, you could allow these people to be found and not, and not be injured. You could have healed the people from their injuries so they didn't die. You could resurrect all 33,000. So sometimes we discern what God says. We are convicted. We have faith. But then we are confronted sometimes with things that go against what we are discerning. We are confronted once again with this idea. I, I just don't understand. And sometimes all we can do, and this is hard, is to cling to the character of God that has been revealed in Scripture, even if we do not comprehend or do not understand. What is true of God is true of God, no matter what the circumstances seem to indicate. We cannot ever, 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 ever view God through the lens of circumstance. We must view circumstance through the lens of God. And so we have to constantly cling and hold to God's character, even though it doesn't always make sense. We discern who God is and we discern his word. We are convicted that it's true. We are convicted by it. We have faith because it's required. And then sometimes what we have to do is we have to cling to the character of God. So all I want you to do this week is I want you to make a list of all of the things that is said about God here. All right, here we go. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, the Lord, the Lord God. I want you to focus on those names that are there. All right. I want you to look carefully and look at this. Uh, The Lord, the Lord passed uh, in front of him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord is compassionate and gracious. Okay, I was looking from a different translation to see how they were gonna break this down. But I want you to really work on this. So uh, this is what I want you to write down. I want you to write down. Let's go through this. I want you to write down the Lord. And remember the the Lord here is capital L-O-R-D. Capital L-O-R-D. Just keep that in mind. The Lord God, capital L-O-R-D, capital G, small O, small D. I want you to look up what those words, what those names mean in the Hebrew. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Now I know there's I know there's one more. I know there's one more, but that's going to lead into some other discussions. For now, I just I want you to write down those things and I want you to just spend a little time this week exploring them. So let's just do a little bit of work here. Let's just do a little bit of work here and you'll get the idea. You'll get the idea. All right? You'll get the idea. I'm going to open up the Blue Letter Bible app and anybody can engage in this. You don't need the curriculum. And some people are going to be listening, and I'm going to get an email in 15 minutes. Well, why didn't you teach it? Because the Bible study exercise is to try to get you involved in the actual study process, okay? It's crazy how many times I have to explain that. People are like, no, no, the Bible study exercise is to get you to exercise, okay? It's to get you off the couch. It's to get you to do something, right? But Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. So Exodus 34. going to go to verse 6 in the uh, Blue Letter Bible app. I'm clicking on tapping on verse 6. It pulls up the menu. I'm going to go to the interlinear. All right. The Lord. The Lord. All right. The Lord. It's uh, make sure it's the same and every time it's used. Yeah. And you're going to know this one. Everyone's going to know this one. Right. Everyone's going to know this one. Are you ready? Here we go. Here we go. Strong's H 3068. Jehovah. 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 Now, why is Jehovah? Remember, the Jews did not write out the name of God. They left some letters out because they thought God's name was too holy to write. And so it's always this debate is it Jehovah? Jehovah? How do we understand? Jehovah. So just understand, Jehovah. And this is, if you look out the outline, well, let's look at Strong's definition. It's used 6,519 times. It's used 6,519 times. Jehovah, self-existent or eternal. Self-existent or eternal. It's the Jewish national name of God. It's the existing one. So the first thing about God's character, he's the self-existing one. He's eternal. Uh, God is self-existing and eternal. Self-existing means he doesn't need us. He's eternal. That means he was before us. He will be after us. He has always existed. So we are dealing with a God because he's self-existing and eternal. He doesn't need us and he's eternal means his perception and understanding will never be like our understanding. But we have, when we look, when we look at life, we see things from a very temporal perspective, but he's an eternal one. We don't, we're, we are not self-existing. We were brought into existence. We rely on things to keep us alive. God is self-existent in Himself. Right, so we have Jehovah. So look at uh, Exodus thirty-four six, and the Lord passed before him, or Jehovah passed before him, and proclaimed the Lord Jehovah. Then the Lord Jehovah, and then it has God. Let's go back to Exodus thirty-four, verse six. The Lord, the Lord God. It is this Hebrew word. Strong's H 410. Ale. 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 It's used 245 times. El uh, It's usually translated God. Now, it can refer to a lot of other things. It can refer to God, God like, mighty men, angels, false gods. But Ale here is connected with Yehovah El. Yehovah-el, this is referring to uh, strength, a mighty, especially the almighty. So this is, in a sense, seeming to be more of a reference to power. Yehovah, the self-existent eternal one who is almighty. The self-existent eternal one who is almighty. Now watch how this works. Self-existent, eternal, and almighty. All right, we're already starting to div- getting a list of God's character. Let me see how this works. I can discern from God's word, Jehovah is the self-existent eternal one. God, he's the self-existent God, El, he is the almighty one. I can discern that from scripture. I can discern it, right? I am convicted I am conv- I am convicted that it is true that he Jehovah is the self-existent eternal El almighty God. I I I can I can understand that and I'm convicted by it. I am convicted. I am convicted and the fact that I know I'm not self-existent. I'm not eternal and I'm not almighty. So I'm convicted that I am clearly weaker than and, and something other than God. I am different from him. I am not him in any way, shape, or form. Right? There's my So there is my discernment. I discern it to be true. I'm convicted by it then faith i have faith in this self-existent eternal almighty god even though i cannot perceive or see him there's faith now where does god's character come into play well here's where god's character come into play i am confronted every single day by things that call into question god being the self-existent eternal almighty one i'm like well if you're self-existent and eternal well then how, do you, how can these things continue to happen? And if you're almighty, why don't you do anything about it? But here's the thing I cannot allow my circumstances to call into question God's character. God's character is true no matter what happens. But I have to cling to the fact that God, no matter how I don't understand it, He's the self existent, eternal, almighty one. Right? Jehovah L. Yehovah L so the and the Yehovah passed be- by before him and proclaimed the Yehovah the Yehovah L right the self-existent eternal mighty Almighty and then the next character is merciful merciful well the word mer- the word merciful here I'm going to open up. Merciful is this Hebrew word. Here's this Hebrew word. You ready? Strong's H seventy three forty nine. Rachum. 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 R- r- rachum, I, I'm not good at making the kind of the guttural sound. Rachum, I'm just going to be, I'm going to go Texas with it. Rachum, right? Okay, I'm just going to go all Texas with it. Rachum is used 13 times. It means merciful or compassion. Strong's definition, compassionate, full of compassion, merciful. Compassionate, here's always of God with one possible exception. So it's almost always spoken of, of God. God is Compassionate and merciful, right? So Jehovah El, the self-existent, eternal, Almighty One, is merciful. Merciful. It seems to be focusing on compassion. God is a compassionate God. He wants to show compassion. Now, once again, life. We'll call that into question. See, I don't discern. My discernment of God cannot be based on what I experience. I must understand my experience in light of the truth of God's character. God is merciful. God is compassionate. But you know what? I don't always see where God's mercy and compassion is real in any way, shape, or form. I've talked about my experience as a kid. When you're being abused and being beaten, you don't see. Where is God's mercy and compassion? When 33,000 people have died in an earthquake, where is God's mercy and compassion? When people were shot and killed, what in Michigan uh, last night, I was at the University of Michigan. I'd have to go to which college. Um, that wh- where, Where's the merciful, compassionate God? But God is merciful and compassionate whether I understand it, whether I can comprehend it, whether I can see it. I discern this about God from his word. I am convicted that it's true. I'm convicted by it because he's merciful and compassionate. Clearly I'm not, so I'm convicted by it. But by faith, I have to believe that this God is self-existent, eternal, all-powerful, almighty, and merciful, even though I don't perceive it. But I, listen, when I am confronted by that which is opposite to God's character, I can only cling to what is true of God's character. I don't understand why God, some, his mercy and compassion. Now, I could make a theological argument. Well, the fact that I'm, I'm breathing shows his mercy and compassion because in reality, I don't deserve to be breathing because of my depravity. But then I could go, well, wait a minute, but God is the one who created the world where the, lack of depravity, or where where depravity would come into the world, and then instead of stopping it, which would have been the merciful, compassionate thing, he's allowed this world full of depravity to continue on and on and on and on. So, no matter where I go, I'm just going to end up more confused and more perplexed. So, what can I do? All I can do is God is Jehovah El, the self-existent, eternal, almighty one, who is Rakum. He is merciful. He is compassionate. Now, there are examples. Uh, It, 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 uh, it, it definitely, someone says it does hurt, uh, hurt to breathe sometime. It it does. It does. Sometimes you, it's, it's hard to understand life. It's hard to understand anything, but all we can do is like, this is true of God. This is true of God. No matter what I see, this is true of God. No matter what I feel, This is true of God no matter what I experience. Then I have to cling to it. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I I, I don't. I don't understand it. I, I have no, I have no, I have no way of comprehending it sometimes. Because I'm like, well, God, if you're merciful and you're compassionate, this would be a great time to show that mercy and compassion. Now, maybe that mercy and compassion is the fact that we exist and the fact that he sent his son to die for us and the fact that he forgives our iniquities. Now, I want to keep going. The next one is gracious but I want you to do some work on this. Remember, Bible study exercise. I'm not supposed to do all of this for you. But what I want you to really think about this week is discernment, conviction, faith, and character. We discern who God is and what he says by the study of his word. We are convicted by it. We're convicted that it's true, right? We have faith because because evidence and arguments can only take us so far. We have to embrace certain things by faith. But then at some point, we're going to be confronted with things that go against what God's word seems to indicate. And we have to then cling to the truth of God's character. We have to cling to it. And I, right now, I've got the Bible. I've got my arms crossed over it, and I'm pressing it against my chest. And I'm holding on to it. And sometimes all I can do is just hold on. Okay, God, Jehovah L. He is the self-existent, eternal, almighty one. I do not know why his power is not working the way I think it would. He is merciful and compassionate. I do not see his mercy and compassion right now. I do not understand. I do not understand. But I know it to be true. I know it to be true. And some people people may think that that's just from a secular, you know, carnal perspective, that's the most ridiculous thing they could ever think of. And I understand that. What is true of God is true of God, irregardless if every circumstance and experience in life screams otherwise. We must learn to focus, gaze upon the truth of God's character and, and and then only glance at our circumstances. But what we have a tendency to do is gaze and fixate on our circumstance and briefly, in a sense, gaze upon God's character. All right, I, I want to, I feel like I need to say something truly profound at this point, but I, I don't have anything profound to say. But I think it's a very important lesson for us. So please, this week, Exodus 34. Now we've got another scripture we need to be looking at right now. We're well, like I said, we're a week behind. And we will find a way to bring this in. Uh if we can bring it in Wednesday, I gotta do I have to do baptism um in the early church. I gotta get back to Tertullian. I can't, I can't delay that. Uh what I was going to do on Sunday, um, I was going to do Exodus 34. That's what I was going to do. Um, and if you, uh, well, you, if you were there, you know what happened, you know, half of our church was missing on Sunday. So, um, we, we, I just stayed with law and gospel. So, and then, and then Sunday night, so many people were gone. It was like, so yeah. So some of that, my, I had to change things up, but we will try to incorporate Exodus 34 and this week's passage and maybe a sermon on Sunday uh, to try to bring the two weeks together so that you don't feel ripped off and you didn't get your money's worth, All right? But I, I've got to also work on long gospel, and we've got to work on baptism in the early church. We always have to, too much to do, All right? There you go. Now, please just work on, again, I want you to list, I want you to write out, you know, Jehovah, self-existent, eternal, El, almighty, okay, merciful, Rakum. Well, what is that? And you can probably write out a, 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 a longer definition of what it means that God is merciful and compassionate just make sure you understand his character understand his character and just remember whatever you experience whatever you see whatever you feel does says nothing in regards to god's character god's character is fixed it is the way it is nothing changes it all right news if at yahoo.com news if at yahoo.com if anyone would like access to the curriculum email me news if at yahoo.com news at yahoo.com please look at how the curriculum approaches this in a completely different way as i've already tried to articulate in this study uh, please look at that and of course it, the discord channel if you want to have you know real-time discussions about any of this that's what it's there for uh, for people to engage in discussion about the bible study exercise i know we get uh you know, distracted by other things. But um, we definitely want the Bible study exercise to still be a good portion of our conversation when we can. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. God bless.